We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Virginia. A lot of people from where I'm from don't don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. Welcome, Hornets fans. Game one of the 2022 Summer League is in the books for Charlotte. And we're glad that you guys are tuning in for another buzz beat. This is Richie, and I'm joined by Brian here. Brian, I just got back from Hilton Head yesterday, finally recovered, unpacked, better rested, which was obviously good timing with the Hornets' first game being tonight. It wasn't the best performance, but I definitely enjoyed some semi-meaningful basketball here with the Hornets. Uh, Brian, how's everything going on your end? Uh, not not too bad. Um, glad you and the family had a good time at the uh, the beach. And yeah, summer league is is like is usually a lot of fun. Um, obviously not the most inspiring performance from the Hornets tonight, which we can get into. But <clears throat> I've really enjoyed uh, even going back to even going back to some of the games in Salt Lake City. We've really enjoyed it so far. Like the Chet Holmgren debut for Oklahoma City, playing with Josh Giddy. Enjoyed those games. It was very cool seeing Paolo Bancaro make his debut for the Magic uh, guy that I covered this past season at Duke. And, um, yeah, the Hornets, unfortunately, some bad news handed out uh, yesterday with the team uh, regarding a fairly serious injury, lower body injury to Scotty, Scotty Lewis, who we're not sure when we'll see him back, not in summer league. So that was a bit of a tough blow. Um, and I also felt like we got a little bit of a sense of just sort of like how, I don't know, just disjointed, um, parts of this summer have been, and I'm not even including what happened with, with, with what Miles Bridges did, which you and I addressed on on the last podcast, but just, you know, Steve Clifford sitting down saying that he, with the ESPN crew saying that he still has yet to, you know, he's living out of a hotel, in Charlotte, he hasn't met with every player on the team yet. Um, and then you've got Joe Cernkamp coaching the Hornets, who that's a guy who who came to the Hornets and was in the video room with James Brago. And last year gets promoted to being the head coach of the Swarm. And so he is one of the guys that has stayed on um, during the, the, the transition. But just disjointed offseason, 
And I don't know. I felt like that was sort of like bleeding into the the play tonight um, for the Hornets. Yes. And uh, the final score, 84-96 in favor of the Pacers. And and to your point, this would have been an awesome opportunity for a couple of guys that went down with injury. We had James Booknight and Scotty Lewis Jr. who had surgery on his lower leg just the other day. You know, Booknight feels like a guy that could get his points in summer league, but also a guy that could develop some bad habits, if you know what I mean. Like, he's a guy that could kind of fall into that category just based off of his style of play. And uh, both of those guys will miss all of summer league. And it could be a missed opportunity for Scotty Lewis because he's battling for a two-way contract. You know, the biggest thing for Scotty right now is just to recover fully and recover quickly. So here's what we're going to do for this game recap. We're going to break it down into different players. We're going to start with the bigs, Nick Richards, Mark Williams, Kai Jones, and then we'll move on to another subset of players. So I first want to start with Kai Jones. I think most were excited about Kai out of anyone on this roster and the improvements that he supposedly made over the offseason, but he was very shaky to start this game and just overall from behind the arc. I think he was 0 of 10 from behind the arc, which was just, he kept letting him fly and uh, did not lack confidence in, in that area. I know he's got some ball skills, but I think playing him at the four could be the wrong move here. And it may not necessarily be the position per se, but how they want him to play with like corner touches and pick and pops and fading to the three point line. I just don't think that suits him all that well. I would personally just spam the pick and roll, use him as a lob threat. I think you obviously need to see what you can get out of him and try to extract as much versatility of this guy, but it just wasn't pretty when he was playing out on the perimeter. You know, he had this one dribble drive and semi transition in the first half, and it felt like it was the first play that he had all game where it was a departure from shots from behind the arc. And guess what? It was a much different result. Getting him going towards the rim, ideally off cuts, off the bounce could be something too that you can kind of tap into with Kai Jones. But his shot tonight was not looking good. I think his shooting form just doesn't look all that smooth either. Like he, when he catches it or when he's coming off the dribble, he has it at his chest. But then in his motion, he dips it below his waist and raises it back up. So I'm not saying that's the reason for the misses, but it just wasn't a smooth shot. And obviously O of 10 is just, is just not good. So I wonder how they're going to play Kai moving forward. I think if you use them as a guy, that's a pick and pop type of guy. I just don't know if that's the way to go with Kai. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on the the shot. Like it does not look fluid. The transition off the catch is just not there. Multi-steps involved. Um, when it when it needs to be more seamless and, and smoothed out, just not having that right now. No of ten from beyond the arc. Shot selection was bad on some of them as well. I, I guess on one hand, it's like you should be, in, I guess, encouraged to see him taking those shots because I do think a fully like the fully actualized Kai Jones is someone we and we talked about this leading into the twenty twenty one draft. It's someone that threatens as a screener because he can do everything off of it right um he can he can dive he can he in theory he could maybe short roll and then dribble and then finish he can pick and pop and, and shoot three or attack a closeout or use the, the pop to launch into a second side you know dribble handoff and, and maybe get into a screen another screen roll that way so it's like i get why from a, a development standpoint you would 
some of these things like make sense, but the shot is just like so rough now that the, the pick and pops in the space, it's like, you know, no one has to react to that. You would, a defense is going to want him to take that shot. And then, so the triple drive game is, isn't there. I do think you were sort of touching on this, Richie, like some of his face up drive and finishes in this game were, were not too bad. I thought some of the cut finishes, he caught a nice alley-oop dunk uh, going baseline off a feed from Jalen Crutcher that, that proved to be one of like probably one of the better half-court possessions Charlotte had <laughs> in, in this game. So right now, I think he's almost better served, A, in the role that you're discussing, which is just having him dive, right? Now, you can only do that if he's playing in these summer league games with JT Thor as like the other like de facto four, the other big guy. You can't really do that if you have Nick Richards or Mark Williams in the paint, you know? And if that's the case, then I think Kai is better served as the guy that is cutting out of the corner, not just pure spacing. Like there needs to yeah. be a little bit more variety um, w- with him, with what he's getting, because obviously he's an explosive finisher, but for him to get from the, the perimeter to the arc, the best way to do that now is to do it off a catch and, and do it off cuts and do it off dives. Um, again, some of the flashes were nice. He had a really nice like grab and go finish, like full court drive tonight. So again, you can see parts of the, the vision and the hope, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just going to take some time with him development wise, which is not a surprise if you saw, if you like scouted Kai coming out of uh, Texas. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, so transitioning to Mark Williams, he's definitely a player that feeds off of others and will benefit greatly from playing with Mello in the regular season, but he really doesn't have that luxury here in Vegas. We've seen the struggles 
with the point guards just after game one with the facilitation. Uh, but, you know, putting that to the side, I, I thought that Mark Williams was active on the glass, which is something that Charlotte desperately needs. Under JB, the team really couldn't corral defensive rebounds and allow too many second opportunities. I think one of the biggest selling points, which uh, with Williams is, you know, theoretically, you want a guy that can be a rim protector, which allows defenders to stay home on shooters, but also a big that can rebound. Because if you do have players out on the perimeter that are not sagging down as much, you're putting Williams out there on an island to get those rebounds, which he can do that. I think one of the biggest drawbacks coming into the NBA with Mark Williams, and you saw it a little bit, he's going to struggle a little bit with the ball in his hands. He doesn't look as comfortable out there on the perimeter in terms of being decisive on what to do. I know that it will come in time. It may not be soon. But overall, I thought Mark Williams had a solid game. He did not get the start. Nick Richards did. He also hit a 15-footer out of nowhere, which I I thought was a a crazy uh, surprise there. And then in the second half, he had a nice little push shot early in the fourth quarter after a couple of screens and rescreens. So overall, like not like a a blow blow you away type of game for Mark Williams, but he did a lot of solid things. And I think the things that you knew coming into this game that he struggled with, he again struggled with tonight against the Pacers. Yeah, I'll start with the uh, the positives here. I thought the rim protection from Williams, which is which is really the thing, like you know, that's the headliner. That's the thing you really want to see. I thought looked pretty good. Had a couple blocks tonight. I thought he influenced a couple of shots just kind of by being in the vicinity and and one of the the Pacers sort of uh, trying to quick shot it or or just uh, continuing to drive through and go underneath the basket as opposed to trying to get it up on the glass and possibly have. Williams contested. I did think within the sort of like rim protection um, output for Williams, you know, similar to some of the stuff we saw him haunt him at Duke a little bit. Like, you know, he is going to leave his feet. There are going to be times where he overhelps and that leaves the rim open for putbacks on offensive rebounds, for drop off passes, for finishes. Saw some of that tonight too. And I think that's sort of like, you know, young center development. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not too worried about that, but that is something that probably does need to be improved a little bit. I thought Charlotte, it was interesting that they kind of kept him, felt like they kept him out of like pick and roll a little bit more and sort of had him playing as like the, the you know, like the low man, like sticking him on spot up guys and, and trying to see if he could crash down and, and be a presence at the rim. So I don't know. That's something to monitor as well. You mentioned the one short roll finish he had uh, early in, yep. the, or in the or in the fourth quarter, and it's just like that was that was I guess encouraging to see. But it's like that stuff is really not his game, you know. Like he is not a guy that catches it in space in the short roll, and you know with any with any like real consistency and efficiency, and makes reads as a passer, or you know can hit a floater, or can put it on the deck once or twice and get to the rim, like. He really is like a catch and finish guy. And certainly like he has an incredible radius for finishing because of his size and his length and his, and really like his ability to get off the ground and, and, and get off the ground on a second jump. But um, yeah, him catching it in space like that is just sort of like, uh, it's just asking for bad things to happen offensively. And it was not great tonight. I thought some of the like ISO post touches that they looked to give him the back to the basket stuff, just, I mean, I get why you, I guess I understand why you would try that. Like it's summer league. He's a young center, but like that is not Mark Williams game. It wasn't at Duke. He's not, he's not like a post guy, you know, where you like dump the ball into him 
and just like watch him get fouled or have good things happen. Like that's not his game. So I don't know. The, unless you think those, unless you think that kind of stuff is like important from a development standpoint, which I don't um, personally, then I'm not really sure why you're why like you know three or four or five of those possessions tonight were like that. Um, you know, he can be like a handoff guy at the elbows if he's just going to hand it off and dive. But um, other than that, he's he's pretty limited. You did talk about the the like one fifteen footer he hit. You saw him make a couple of free throws tonight too. So he showed a little bit of the shooting touch. Um, you know, he does have a little bit of a soft, a soft touch out to right about fifteen to sixteen feet. Um, and then you mentioned uh, the work on the offensive glass. I thought that was encouraging. Like you know, I thought he looked active. And, and clearly with his size and his ability to get off the ground quickly, like that's, that's some place where he can, he can really be a threat, but offensively, you know, he's just, he's just pretty limited right now. And that is something that will help by getting to play with LaMelo and Gordon yeah. Hayward. When the regular season starts getting to play within the spacing of PJ Washington, that could help as well. Um, this is something that I think we've touched on. I know Lee has mentioned it before, but just, you know, he, he doesn't have a table setter for him either. You know, uh, Jalen Crutcher's trying his best. Bryce McGowan's is trying his best. But, and, and, and we can talk about McGowan's because I thought there were some interesting flashes tonight. But there's just no one to like spoon feed him right now. You know what I mean? Like he's not getting to play with, you know, like Josh Giddy. You know, <laughs> like just to have someone to like bend the defense and, and, and drop it off to him for dunks. So, um, I think like Williams long-term, I'm not worried about him. I think he's going to be good. Um, but this was, yeah, I think like a, a, a mostly fine yet mostly also pretty unspectacular debut. And, and we'll get to McGowan's and Crutcher who you just mentioned, but just one last big that I just kind of want to quickly touch upon. I, th- I thought it was somewhat interesting to see Nick Richards get the start over Williams, but it does make sense to a certain extent. He's got more experience with the organization and it feels like his time is ticking, you know, in terms of trying to prove himself in his NBA career. His contract just got guaranteed the other day. So he's on with the Hornets. I think it's like 1.7, 1.8 million. I thought early on in the game, he was probably the Hornets' best player, but his impact decreased as the game went on. They used him a lot as a like dribble handoff hub, a pick and roll point at that high post area. I thought he was fairly effective in his dives to the rim in the first quarter. He had a couple of backdoor passes for good looks too. And even though he's like not the most athletic guy, he look he at least looks more comfortable obviously than Mark Williams out there. But what I will say about that when he does get the ball outside on the perimeter, he tries to split double teams. We all know that he doesn't have the hands to do that or the or the dribbling ability to do that. But, you know, overall, just a guy that that was active, I guess, on the offensive glass. And like I mentioned, his impact decreased as the game went on. What did, what did you make of the fact that he started over Williams? Did you make anything of it or was it just kind of like he had more experience? So let's just go with Richards. Yeah, the seniority, like he's several years older. And now this is year three in the system. I I could also see Williams starting some of the games out in Vegas, right? Like I don't think they'll keep this starting lineup for every single game. As mm-hmm. far as how he played, I mean, you highlighted some of the positives. Yeah, I thought he looked uncomfortable later in the game trying to f- catch in the short roll and finish or catch in the in-between roll and finish. Had a one pretty awkward traveling violation, um, if I'm remembering correctly. 
had another pass that was thrown to him. Wasn't a great pass, but should have been caught for a finish in the in the dunker spot in the second half that he he fumbled. Um, you know, I, I think for the most part, Richards, hit, you know, his, the hands aren't like bad or anything like that. But I just thought some of the like the, fi- the stuff finishing around the win- the rim was not uh, ideal. Um, I thought also early second quarter, I thought he got lost a little bit um, in pick and roll defense. And, and that opened some stuff up for Indiana in the half court. So I don't know. Again, with Richard sort of like down the middle, this is kind of what I've grown to expect with him. Um, yeah, like he 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 is he's big and he, he plays hard. So like he's going to do some stuff on the glass. He'll he'll uh, get in. He'll probably block a shot or two. And just because he is a presence around the rim for a team that is you know, trying to get downhill and get into the paint, like he's going to get some room service finishes. So, um, yeah, I think like this is an interesting year for Richards make or break perhaps to see if he's a guy that like could actually stick as like a, you know, a third center on a roster. Um, but I do think at some point we'll see, we'll see Williams, uh, vault into the, you certainly ahead of him in the rotation during the regular season and perhaps even like in the starting lineup, um, in, in Vegas. Yeah, it's funny because I think last year in Vegas, they had games where they played Vernon Carey Jr. like 90% of the game and only had Nick Richards play like 10% of the game. And, and they did a, a swap. And so maybe that's what they'll do uh, here in game two or three or four where they have Mark Williams start and ha- have him be the starter and get those starter minutes. We'll see. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily any indication of like, okay, Nick Richards is way above Mark Williams on the depth chart. I just really think it's to your point, a seniority thing. So yeah, let's get to the wings. And then I guess whatever you want to call JT Thor, he's, he's a guy that I can't really put my finger on what kind of position he is. So uh, Jalen Crutcher, Bryce McGowan, JT Thor, these are the next set of players I want to talk about. Uh, I thought Bryce McGowan's was probably the biggest surprise for me tonight. I felt like he was the only guy that was worth anything from behind the arc. You know, I, I love his shot creation and his ability to get downhill. There were two plays that stood out to me with Bryce. Number one, he had that awesome pass to Kai Jones from the baseline uh, in that first half. Didn't realize that he had that in him. I think it was off the live dribble, too. I don't, I don't, I don't remember him gathering the ball off of that baseline drive. And then he had a drive early in the third quarter where he beats the closeout after a swing and he hits the floater and drew the foul. I think Isaiah Jackson was the one that fouled him. I just thought the gather was very quick and the release on that shot was very good before the guy could come over and block the shot. And I'll, I'll say this too about his dribbling. And obviously you watched him way more in Nebraska than, than I ever did. And I don't know if this is the case for Nebraska or if this was just like a game one thing that I saw. It doesn't like even though he's a guy that is a shot creator and he can go create for himself and and try to get downhill. I wouldn't say that he over dribbles like there might be some times where he sets him like sets the opponent up and but he's not he's not just pounding the rock to pound the rock. He's not a methodical guy like he's not going to dribble the air of the ball or at least he didn't show it tonight. So I thought that was a good thing about him in terms of just being decisive, getting downhill, creating shots for himself. And then after I listened to you and Lee talk on the second round pod, I was paying more attention to his defense. And I thought that was the one glaring weakness for McGowan's. And it may not be surprising, but I just thought opponents got by him with ease and there was no real resistance there. But 
that was to be expected out of McGowan's. But I thought McGowan's had probably the best game out of anyone on this team. Not that that's saying much because there was a lot of poor performances from from the rest of the players. Yeah, um, just starting with the defense for McGowan's, there was one uh, on-ball breakdown he had that sticks out in the second half where I think it was Duarte or Dwayne Washington, but they just blew by him off the dribble. Like, no advantage, but just one-on-one. They boat raced. They got around McGowan's. William, Mark Williams had to help off at the rim, and they kicked out to the, the opposite corner for a three. And it was like that That open three came as a result of Bryce McGowan's not being able to hold water um, in space one-on-one defensively. With that said, there was like a lot of good stuff he did offensively. I thought um, watching film with him at Nebraska, like, is obviously he's not a guy that put up, you know, big time assist numbers. That's not the best indicator, certainly of one's passing acumen, and and certainly like on a team with Nebraska, context is important. Um, this is a team that did not have a lot of secondary creation and play finishers, so a lot was on McGowan's to start create advantage and finish plays. But I did think at Nebraska this season, he did a pretty good job of if there were two guys on the ball in the pick and roll and he was coming off, just doing a nice job to taking what the defense would give him on the short roll. And I thought he had early on, he had a nice pass to tonight to, I believe it was Richards actually on the short roll. That was actually pretty nice. He also had like a, a kick out or sort of like skip early in the game to Kai Jones for a spot up three point attempt that Kai obviously missed. And then you mentioned like the live dribble, like he goes baseline and Kai, you know, cuts in from the weak side on the diagonal. And it was just a nice pick out by, by, by McGowan's. So again, all that live dribble playmaking is, is really encouraging to see. I want to see more of McGowan's um, attacking drop coverage. I thought that's something that was really hit or miss for him at Nebraska this season, even in the course of a game, you know, you'd see him for, three quarters of a game, be hesitant to attack the drop or engage the the screen defender. And, you know, will be settling for pull-ups and some tough twos and tough contested twos. But then at times, like he would just, the switch would flip, you know, and he would, he would really use his length and that first step of his to get downhill and, and get into the lane and be aggressive. I think because of his, because he is skinny, contact can bother him a little bit yeah. at the rim. Now he's got some like craft to adjust and to to finish, and because of his length, he does have the ability to like get in there and like you know throw down on top of guys. I I watched the the Illinois game the other week, and he threw down on top of Kofi Coburn and um, Omar Payne in that game, both on like late in the game when he just decided to get aggressive going downhill off the ball screen. I thought he did an he hit two nice pull up threes in this game where Indiana either like soft switched or went under the ball screen. Something else I would say about McGowan's, like I think he shot 28% on threes at Nebraska, but there's plenty of reasons to like, I think feel reasonably good about the shot, like the free throw percentage above 80%, which is a good indicator. And he has big time range on the jumper too, like off the catch and off the pull up. So he just took a lot of, I don't know, like he took, he took tough shots. And, uh, but I think, I think a combination of the shot versatility the free throw percentage and the range on the three, there are sort of some reasons to be optimistic about the shot. So it was nice to see him like step into a couple of, of, of deep threes tonight. 
And uh, yeah, lots of positives, I think, for McGowan's, yeah. at least on the offensive side of the floor. Yeah, he was three of six from behind the arc. And it was a thought that I was having watching the game. And I just kind of want your quick thoughts on this. How do you, how do you compare his play style to Book Knight? Like, I'm not saying that they're the same player, but do you see some similarities between the two? It's just I, some similarities. You know, McGowan's is, is longer. That's part of it. I think that's actually one of the reasons to be to be like, uh, you know, perhaps like long term, a little optimistic about McGowan's because like he is six, 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 seven, and he can run pick and roll and, and get to the rim, you know, and those guys tend to have success in the league. I have always thought of book night coming out of UConn and, and we have not really seen Charlotte <clears throat> do much in terms of developing him this route. Like they've, they've I know what you're going to say. I know what yeah, you're going to say. I know because we talk about it a lot. <laughs> I've written about it. I always thought like book night would see an offensive diet that was closer to Rozier's, you know, um, where you would see more of the off ball movement. You'd see yep. him coming off down screens and handoffs. And then when chase defenders start to sell out, then you'd see him go back door. Right. And that was, he was such a nasty, you know, fake, like he's going to come up off the up screen and then, and then jet, you know, jet back door. And obviously he had the athleticism to finish at the rim, but uh, you know, book night also like a very crafty, finisher with good body control on some of those cut finishes at UConn. So I think, I just think like offensively, I would like to kind of use them a little bit differently. Like I think McGowan's is a guy that because he can, because he looks like a guy that could potentially, like he can slash, like he can get to the rim, you know, and he's got length and book Knight is someone that I would want to feature more in a role of using motion off ball screens. And, and then, uh, back cutting off of those moves as well. There are, I think, some similarities because they're like flashy young yeah. scoring guards that can do some stuff with the ball. I would, I would sort of like look to develop them in different ways. And just to be clear, like McGowan's is a pretty good cutter too. So again, I guess that sort of can go in line with the, depending on how you think about Book Knight as a, as a as a cutter now in the NBA. But in, in college, like I thought he was pretty solid reading defenders and in, in using that those back cut moves to occasionally like you know um uh I, I don't know like stab the opposing defense a little bit so um there are some similarities but i do think there are some differences in terms of what they're best suited for offensively and how i would try to uh, develop. develop and like build a playbook around them our last two players I want to get to, unless you have another player that you would like to bring up, is Jalen Crutcher and JT Thor. And I'm just going to quickly hit on these two guys because I don't think there was a lot to touch on. Not you know, not noteworthy stuff by any means. But I mentioned this in my piece today that I released on Busby Plus. But Crutcher is is a guy that's more of a scorer type and not necessarily a guy that you associate with being this point guard true point guard and for a team that is desperately lacking in the point guard depth he could be someone to kind of keep an eye on uh, but that I think that would require some meaningful jumps on his end he did play with Greensboro last year so for him to make the actual roster in Charlotte like it, it's going to take some jumps I thought his ball handling and his facilitation were actually better than I anticipated I thought he was composed in the pick and roll but just when I when I thought of him going into this, like a three-point shooter at Dayton, a three-point shooter last year in Greensboro, some of his shots were just wide of the mark. And I didn't feel like he created a ton of impact as a shooter. But like I said, he might have been Charlotte's best pick-and-roll passer, but n nothing really noteworthy. I know you did mention him at the top of the podcast. Maybe you can get into a little bit more of that. And then JT Thor, 
Oh man, I I thought his game was a little bit underwhelming tonight. I thought his driving ability was fairly good tonight, more so in the first half. I think his biggest impact came just really with drawing fouls. Like I think if you were to just pinpoint one thing that JT Thor did well was was getting to the free throw line. Not like he made a lot from there, but he did draw a ton of fouls. And I think this was clear coming into the game with JT, but I think it was even more evident when I saw him again. He needs to bulk up. He needs to get stronger. And if he wants to be a player that can drive to the basket and make that a part of his game, then obviously he's going to need to do that. You know, he's none. He's going to need to get in the weight room, strengthen, get bulkier. And for him, like, you know what you're getting on the defensive side of the court. But in the offensive side of the court, he either needs to improve his three-point shot, which I don't think we saw tonight, or he needs to improve his on-ball skills. And to me, his dribble still leaves a lot to be desired and kind of in my eyes. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of Thor. Like I, I know we were singing his praises last year, and I know that he has the defensive chops to be out there and kind of have that I guess, higher floor, you know what you're getting out of him. But on the offensive end, there's so many things that he needs to tap into. And I do think a lot of them just kind of go back to being stronger, like driving, you know, stronger on the ball, dribbling the ball, stuff like that. So I like Thor. I I like what he can become. I know he's very, very young, but offensively, it's just underwhelming at times. Yeah, I'll start with uh, with Crutcher real quickly. Um, Someone had, had a really nice season. Uh, for the swarm this past year, shot a good ball uh, from from deep, good assist to turnover ratio, and was a terrific college player. I think one of the things you sort of touched on very briefly about Crutcher, and this sort of gets back to something we talked about a few minutes ago of just this team like not having a reliable primary ball handler to the point where like I think even if Book Knight were healthy, I mean it would be great if Book Knight were healthy and able to play in this in this uh in summer league i don't even think he is like solving this you know like he it certainly would help to have his creation out there but i still think this would be kind of an issue with with the roster um of the swarm games that i watched i was impressed with crutcher i really liked him at dayton especially in their excellent 2019 2020 season when obi toppin was incredible in that year you know, uh, Crutcher played with the ball a lot, but Dayton also had a guy named uh, Rodney Chapman. That was sort of their like pure point guard. And I think some of that was a factor for Greensboro too. Like Crutcher handled the ball, was a primary on some possessions and some games sort of like looked and behaved more like a primary, but also Book Knight was down there. Joe Chile was there. Uh, so you had other guys that were sort of also taking up some of the playmaking share. So it wasn't just, oh, uh, you know, Jalen Crutcher's running 45 pick and rolls per game. Um, and I think he needs the pull-up shot and the floater to compensate for the fact that like he's not mm-hmm. he's you know, he's sort of like, you know, not he's not the, the biggest guard, he's not the most explosive athletically. Um, and he looked pretty uncomfortable shooting pull-ups um out of the pick and roll. And other than the one runner he hit late in the game, like kind of short armed and looked like he was just kind of like aiming a couple of shots, like a little too hard as opposed to sort of just like letting his shot go. Um, So we'll see. Uh, 
again, I would like Crutcher. I'm hopeful Crutcher at least plays better out in Vegas. So this team just has some better on-ball creation efforts. It looks like McGowan's might be up to the task. And if Crutcher could give them a little bit more, that would be helpful. As far as Thor goes, I thought offensively, like it broke down to two things for him tonight, which is you can see in this scenario, like he's going to play with the basketball more. Like when he was playing with Charlotte last year, like with the with the the NBA team, not not G League, like his best stuff offensively came off of cutting along the baseline and crashing the offensive glass. You know, and occasionally he would get to tack a closeout um, and get to that floater and and show off his shooting touch on runners and stuff like that. But for the most part, his best stuff was being a weak side cutter and hitting and crashing the offensive glass. And so, I thought tonight where the process looked really bad for him was when he caught the ball on a standstill and it was like a face up and he was trying to take someone off the dribble. He had five yeah. turnovers tonight. I think three or four of them were him just trying to like break someone down off the dribble. And it's like, that's just not, I mean, it's like one thing for him to try that, but right now it's like just not his game, even against, you know, summer league competition. I thought he looked way better when he was getting to attack a closeout or go to work against um, with some like advantage created, the defense tilted a little bit. I still like Thor as a guy that can attack closeouts like long term. Obviously, he's going to have to shoot the three better to actually force those hard closeouts. So, like again, I long term, I'm still like very bullish on JT Thor as I was before the draft a year ago. But uh, tonight again showed some of the limitations he has both as a shooter and both as someone who, when asked to play with the ball a little bit more against, you know, NBA level talent or borderline NBA level talent. Um, it's going to be a bit of a problem if you're just sort of asking him to create the advantage where there is no already previously generated advantage. Yeah, I would agree. And I do want to get to one or two more things before we go, but I do appreciate the 20 or 30 of you guys that are still in here. And we do have a speaker request. Brian, can you make a guess as to who the speaker request is? I'm going to guess it's it's Cam, would it be my Cam. guess. Yeah. Cam. Cam, go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, so I got stung yesterday, and it just kind of felt like an encapsulation of what the Hornets have done to me uh, over the past two weeks and then extending in into tonight. <laughs> um, just, you know, it's, that's how I feel. Tonight was – I'm not super disappointed in the, in the front court players because as we've gone over, like, there's – at best, you have marginal NBA players and kind of marginal summer league players who don't have a ton of experience in the NBA, like running the running the guard show. So I was kind of I was pleased, in, at least in the first quarter, with how Nick responded. But in terms of like you know Mark and Kai to some extent, like how much do you expect them to do when they have to carry the carry carry the load? But the thing that I noticed today was there is nobody on this summer league roster as it's currently constituted and even, you know, the injured players, including book Knight and, and Lewis and Clifford is going to want to play. So that leaves us with seven guys, you know, Mello, Terry Hayward, Plumlee, PJ Martin and Jalen. Cause I don't think there's any way that Clifford is going to be like, Ubre, get out there. <laughs> and that's like a, that's a, that's a pretty soft team and it, and it hurts more because, you know, this is a team that's going to bust their ass to get to the nine or 10 seed. And, you know, no matter how it starts, they're going to keep going. That's kind of disheartening, mostly because 
I'd be fine with it if they were like, you know what, let's just be sick for Vic for a little while. You know, let's let's see what we can get. Is there any disagreement on on your guys' behalf? Do you think that's a chance that we could get off to a bad enough start for them to for them to do that? I just don't want to. I don't want to waste the time to go and get another you know 14th pick when they you know drafted one last year who was before that and didn't play him. And now, in, I think Book would have been helpful to have and just to see what we have. You know, a second year guy who is a highly rated prospect. Can he can he score in in summer league? And then it, it just kind of I just don't see it with Kai. He <laughs> he just reminds me. He just seems like Tyrus Thomas. Like at best, I, I, I know that you guys were talking about you know how he would be optimized, but in an NBA in, in like in an NBA game, he's you know d- diving from the corner. That that ain't gonna happen. I I just I just don't see it. Just sorry, that was kind of a rant. Uh, appreciate appreciate what you guys do. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks thanks for thanks for chiming in. Yeah, I felt like Steve Clifford's soul was like leaving his body a little bit when he was joined the ESPN broadcast and Kai Jones was continuing to miss three point shots <laughs> like, like that. That was that was a, like a, one of the sort of like sad highlights of the night. Um, I'll be honest with you. Also, Kenny Atkinson was just on TV and screw that guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, one time Charlotte Hornets head coach, Kenny Atkinson. Uh, we'll do a pod. I'm sure at some point in the future, we'll all uh, drink and reminisce about our favorite, uh, the favorite, our favorite times with Kenny Atkinson as the head coach of the franchise. And we'll, we'll share stories and, and be merry um, and discuss that wonderful eight day period of time. Um, Look, I I think this is something that Richie, I know we've we've texted about in the the Buzzbeat text thread. Um, I I don't want to speak for you. I feel like I can speak for Spencer because this is something that I think he and I have are are feel similar to. Is that like it? It kind of does feel like they need a, a reset of sorts. Like just looking at where they're at right now, where the roster is. Um, you know, they're just two years into LaMelo's rookie deal. So I know it gets, maybe you get like a little queasy to sort of think about taking a sidestep or a half step back or a full step back or whatever. Um, it does feel like they may not have a choice if like one injury happens to one of their main guys, the first like month of the season. Um, but even without that, it sort of does feel like the prudent thing to do would be sort of take a step back and say, we don't have enough, um, like certain good young players on this roster right now because JT Thor is a question mark. Books Knight is a question mark. Kai Jones question mark. Um, LaMelo is awesome, but like, you know, like it's going to take, it's going to take a little bit more time and he needs more help around him. And it's like, it's up to the Hornets to put more talent around him. But the way to do that is to, um, is to draft. And I guess theoretically, like, you know, assuming uh, they 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 don't the the pick lands within the protections and is not conveyed to Atlanta, they should have a a you know a high first round pick. Uh, knowing Charlotte, it'll probably be probably be later in the lottery, but that could be a that could be a top five pick. They control Denver's first round pick for next season as well, which is like kind of blah in terms of draft capital, but like it's at least a late first round pick. So there's some stuff you could do to try to take swings on next season. Um, but I just get the feeling that with, with the, with the new coaching staff in place with Steve Clifford here, like 
he's only he only has what three guaranteed years, right, Richie, on this contract? Like, my guess is that they're not going to want to take one of those years and just use it as a. In, right. Now, I would not describe it as a throwaway. To be clear, like I would say, it's an important part of a proper build around Lamelo Ball, which is all that should matter for this team right now. Um, but I just get the feeling that 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 is how some of the key decision makers there will look at it and that that's not what that's they're not going to want to do that especially since they also haven't made the playoffs since 2016 again i think that's like thinking that's not doing justice in terms of sort of like the once once one of a kind talent you have in lamello and what it means to sort of like build a consistent winner in a small market so you're looking at things very narrow and very rigidly and i think you're um it's costing you long term, but I, like that's how this team is 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 like largely chosen to to operate. So um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that uh, in terms of like you know they're clearly like they're going to try to at least start the season by as a team that's like hoping to make the playoffs. But do you could you see them? They're two months into the season and they're a couple games under five hundred or, or several games under five hundred. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that's what Steve Clifford signed up for. But also he was. Sure signed up prior to the debacle of Miles Bridges. And, you know, we won't get too big into that because we've had a full conversation. But he actually, you know, like you said, he has three years on his contract. But technically speaking, it's two years plus a club option on that third year. So the time for him is also ticking. And I think that whenever you think of Steve Clifford, you think of a guy that's bringing teams into the playoffs. And I don't know if he wants to sit around and wait, but to the point that you were just making, they might not have an option, right? Like this team just may not be good yeah. enough to to make it to the playoffs. Or if they do make it to the playoffs, it's going to be at a very, very low seed. And, you know, to Cam's point, there, there, there are some spots on this roster that are lacking, uh, specifically the backup point guard position. There are players on this roster that don't totally jive with the way that Steve Clifford uh, wants to play, specifically Kelly Oubre. I, I do think Kelly Oubre is going to get minutes this year. I, I don't think it's a player that's just going to be stashed at the end of the bench. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's going to be a wait-and-see type of approach 10, 15, 20 games into the season, see where this team is and then go for there. But they may not be a team that's going to have much of a choice. And you just want to play those young players as, as much as possible. And it's, I was going to actually mention this on, on an upcoming episode. I was just thinking about like the backup point guard position. And I didn't realize this guy was a free agent. And I know that he's an older guy, but what about, um, Composo, the guy that used to play for the Nuggets. <laughs> I mean, he would give them some, uh, you Scrap. know, some point of attack defense, I suppose. And uh, it's funny, like I feel like uh, Denver fans that I know and interact with online, he's like a very polarizing player. If that makes any sense, like uh, I think he is. Uh, obviously, he can be very frustrating to play against. But I think through some of his limitations offensively, I think. Uh, he was maybe even uh, occasionally annoying for fans of of Denver, but like, but it's one of those things where just like they're they don't have like a ton of good options, man. Like they they need to add another point guard to the roster. Like I yeah. just don't. I mean, I guess you. I guess you could really just uh, once again commit to Rozier as like your full time backup, like yeah. you're starting two and your backup one. But it's like that is just. Um, 
not a good idea. So I would advise them to not do that. Um, and unless they really think like McGowan's or <laughs> book night, uh, nah, I mean, I mean, it's just like, you know, come on, let's get real here for a second. And, um, but they just don't have a lot of options. And so maybe if they're looking for, for defense, I, I guess Compo- like uh, Composo is, is like a name certainly like worth mentioning in part because like they're, they're going to be like, they don't have a lot of money to spend on this and there's not a lot of guys available either. Yeah. He's one of those players. I mean, when you look at these remaining free agents, they're going to be drawbacks with anyone. And I think obviously he's, he's older, he's undersized. And to your point, he may be limited offensively in, in what he can do. Uh, but I just think he fits with, you know, maybe Clifford style of play. He's a scrappy player. Definitely one of those players that is polarizing, maybe among the fan base, but just polarizing in general. Like you, mm-hmm. you, he's a guy that you would love to have on the team, but you hate to go up against. He's just a pest. I think he gets into passing lanes. He can even help facilitate on the offensive end as well. I think the free agent, you know, the the remaining free agents, it's getting slim pickings at this point. Uh, so any kind of acquisition that Charlotte is going to make. It's not really going to boost the overall performance of the team, but I was just kind of digging deeper uh, on the free agent point guard class. And, you know, obviously there's rumblings out there about Kimba making a return, but (laughs) I don't think he's going to be uh, that big of an impact either. So I think it's going to be one of those things, Brian, uh, where they just kind of have to play it as they go. Uh, If it gets to a point to where they are severely dropping below 500, then you play book night more. You try to play McGowan's a little bit more, but I just don't know if Clifford can really do that. Like I I know that it's, it's kind of a conversation that they have to have with the front office as well, but Clifford didn't sign up for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that what's tough is it's like, he certainly didn't sign up for that, but um, you know, when he was looking at this roster, um, I'm sure he, you know, he should have probably been able to look and assess and think like, hey, it's not, you know, they're not that far away from being a team that needs to potentially like consider um, at least a mini reset, you know, Um, just given where, how they performed last couple of years, the ages of some of the guys on larger contracts. And look, I know um, (laughs) the crime that Miles Bridges committed, uh, is going to change that. I don't really want to talk about miles bridges, like the basketball player right now. Um, because I just don't want to think about him in those terms. Um, but it, it is something that obviously like it's, it's, um, it's impacting where they are as a, as a franchise right now. But, um, that's obviously like not anywhere close to like the most important thing, um, when discussing bridges at the moment, but I don't know. So, I'm not sure where they where they go from here, but in the at least in the interim, rounding out the roster, they're going to have to find a backup. They're going to have to find a backup, um, you know, ball handler for this team, and um, that's I guess that'll sort of be like the last piece as far as like filling out the roster yeah. because if Richards is guaranteed, like they're kind of set up at center now, um, and it does feel like with PJ and, and Thor, they've got guys that can play the play the four. And even Gordon Hayward can give them some minutes there too. Jalen McDaniels probably in line for more minutes as well as like a hybrid forward as, you know, so there's some stuff to work with there. It's just not, uh, you're just looking around and it's just like, where is the offensive creation? You know, it's going to be very reliant on LaMelo and he's incredible, but it's just going to be somehow even more on his plate than compared to um, a season ago. 
All right, let's end on this, Brian, uh, before we get out of here, just make this quick three to four sentences. Give me one high and one low from the game. It could be a, a team trend, a player trend. I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. The one high in this game was Bryce McGowan's. I was pleasantly surprised by him. I know that he was rated higher on a lot of people's big boards and he dropped a little bit in the draft and obviously Charlotte traded up to get him. So they viewed highly of Bryce McGowan's and I'm sure that they had him higher on their personal board, but I still was surprised with the way that he was able to create for himself. He did not over dribble. I love that pass to Kai Jones. It was probably my favorite play of the game. Uh, And speaking of Kai Jones, he's going to be my one low. Uh, He just was a, he was, I think he was just disappointing because I thought he was hyped up heading into this game. Uh, not necessarily from me per se, but just in general, everyone was anticipating his performance going 0 from 10 from behind the arc. And maybe that's just not the way he's going to be used. You know, you're going to have to try to find ways to maximize Kai Jones's athleticism. And I just don't think using him as a pick and pop type of guy and, and stashing him in the corner is the way to go. And I get it. Summer League is for experimentation and trying to figure out where pieces can fit. And maybe he would be better suited playing with the parent club and with the Hornets and not necessarily with Greensboro where you've got better talent around him. So my one high, Bryce McGowan's. My one low is Kai Jones. Yeah, to avoid good picks. I think the two two correct ones, honestly. But to avoid uh, repetition, I'll say high... I don't think he had a great game by any by any stretch. We just we and we just we debriefed on Mark Williams earlier in this, but man, it it's kind of nice to see Charlotte with someone like that kind of rim protector back there, right in the paint at the rim. Like it's something yeah. that you've been sort of like for years uh, while covering this team and talking about them, Richie. Like we've talked about this all the time. So I think it looked good to finally have that kind of like vertical presence at the rim. He's gonna have to get stronger. Lower body's gonna have to improve. The timing's going to have to get better. Um, but again, the, the, he already has a lot of tools to work with. And in, in, in less than 19 minutes of action tonight, two blocks, three offensive rebounds, you know, eight rebounds total. So something to something to perhaps, you know, dream about a little bit down, down the line. Um, but there's going to need plenty of work. It's going to need to be done. The low, I, I guess I would just say... Man, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's, I'll, I'll just say like this. I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pick Kai and I'll say it. I'll go slightly different. I'll just say like the the shot selection itself was, was, um, was pretty poor. So we'll go with that. And and I'm hopeful to see more production out of JT Thor later on. Although I just don't think he's in a very good situation um, with the way this this summer league roster is is constructed currently. All right, so I don't think the Hornets are going to be making the Summer League Championship game. Uh, they are 0-1. I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't think so. I, don't, I think if they win the next three, I still think it's going to be a reach. We'll see. We'll get out of here on that. Thanks to all that stuck around. If you want to support us, when I release this as a podcast, I'll have the link to BuzzBeat Plus in the episode notes. But we appreciate everyone joining us here on Twitter Spaces. For Brian, I'm Richie. Hope you guys have a good one. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.